0: So I'm going to kind of uh, explain what we're doing here. We're going to have a little bit uh, different experience this morning um, as we have our sacred assembly. So I'm going to open up here in just a few minutes with a lesson, uh, introductory lesson and confession, time of consecration. And then we're going to have confession and prayer uh, and a little bit of sharing from uh, one of our elders, uh, Joseph Hammond, Hammond and myself. Ronnie Ricks couldn't be here this morning. He's under the weather. So we should... We were trying to have a video to show him sharing his heart with us since he couldn't be here in person with us. Then after that, we're going to have a time of just basically uh, confessing and prayer to God individually at your seats. And then we'll have a time where after you pray, you find someone that you can go pull off with one or two brothers, not bigger than three, a group of three, where you can just go confess to one another. After that, we'll come back with a little bit of singing And then John Bean will come up with a lesson on purification. We'll take communion. Some more songs. John Bean will come up again. Short lessons, guys, (laughs) on praising God. Some more singing. I'll close out with a couple thoughts on sacrifices to God. We'll take our offering. Then that will be a time for us to be able to uh, write out anonymously on some sacrifice cards something that we want to practically put into practice as we're being living sacrifices for God. Amen? Something that you've repented of and something that you want to put into practice. We'll write those things down on our uh, sacrifice cards. The ushers have pens that you can use. You write it out, turn them in to us so the elders and evangelists, as myself, can be praying for the things, uh, the needs of the church, and uh, we can kind of understand and know the condition of the flock here. Amen? Amen. And then after that, we'll have, so let's close things out with uh, some brief announcements. Uh, He'll personally share a public declaration, something that he's gotten out of today, something he wants to continue to go after. And then after that, he'll close us out with a prayer, and that'll be our time. Amen? Okay. So um, let's just go to God in prayer real quick, and we'll jump right in. Father, thank you so much just for us to be able to come together with you this morning and uh, just do something different, and uh, we're grateful just to be here with just the men. It's been a while since the Southwest men have been together. I pray that more can can join us here soon and shortly, and Father, I pray that we can get rid of all the distractions, and we can focus and fix our eyes on you and the scriptures and really be able to render our hearts to you and just share our hearts and just share with one another and have a bonding time and a time of celebration. Father, we love you. Thank you for this opportunity to assemble together. It's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Let me ask you guys a question. What would you do if you knew you were standing and sitting in the presence of God right now? What would you do? Okay, you want to tell me what you do? You bow down before him. Amen. That's actually good. Because whenever Christians assemble together, it's a reminder that it is a special opportunity to connect with each other, but also with our maker, God. And we see in Matthew 18, verse 20, it says, For wherever two or three are gathered in my name, I am there among them. We also see in 1 Corinthians 5:4, it says, When we assemble his spirit and the power of Jesus is present. God is among us. The Father is among us, the Son is among us, and His Spirit dwells through us, is among us as well. You know, if you've seen John's vision of Christ in Revelation verse 1, 9 through 18, it helps give, paint a picture. It gives a visual of the impact we could have this Sunday morning if we really thought we saw God, if we really thought we were in the presence of and community with God. We see in verse 17, it says, uh, John says, he fell at his feet as though dead when he saw Jesus. Other responses that we see when people saw heavenly beings or saw God, it says, during the fall of Jericho, Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence. Isaiah saw the Lord, says he cried out, and he says, I am ruined in Isaiah 6. Ezekiel saw a vision of God. He fell face down, and the angel had to help this brother get up. Daniel was frightened, fell prostrate before an angel in Daniel. And during the resurrection of Jesus in Matthew 28, which is very familiar with us, during the resurrection, it says the guards were so afraid of him being Jesus that they shook and became like dead men. What do you think provokes this type of behavior? This type of humility and awe before God. That reverential respect mixed with a healthy fear and wonder. Well, they understood God was real. They understood God was among them, amen? They knew they were in the presence of God. You know, some of us might know God is here this morning, but do we really believe that his presence is real. See, you can know someone's in a room, but not make them feel like they're in a room. You can know someone's in a room, but walk and blow right by them. Are you with me on that? Yep. So, so I think, you know, scriptures that helps us realize that we're in his presence is Joshua 1 5. It says, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you, never forsake you. God's presence is here. Psalm 16:8 says, I know the Lord is always with me, I will not be shaken, for he is right beside me. Matthew 28, verse 20b says, And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the very end of age. What if God's presence was real to us this morning? Not just knowing that God is here with us, but that we really feel that he's walking alongside us throughout the day. He was in the car ride with you over here this morning. He was with you this morning when hopefully you were brushing your teeth. Putting your deodorant on. Kissing your wife goodbye, saying, I'll see you later, honey. He would change. It would change the dynamics and posture. Of our personal and collective worship, what difference maker would it be? Our gathering times would be different. This place would be packed, wouldn't it? So right now, I want us to look at an Old Testament style of worship from Hezekiah, and much of what they did symbolized what we do today, and we're going to pull some things from that passage and and see how is God talking to us today in 2022. Second Chronicles 29, Second Chronicles 29, we'll pick up in verse three, and we're talking about consecrating ourselves, how we need to con- consecrate ourselves to God. Second Chronicles 29, Hezekiah purifies the temple, and in verse three it says, "'In the first month of the first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in the priests and the Levites, assembled them in the square on the east side and said, listen to me, Levites, consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the temple of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. Our parents were unfaithful. They did evil not to the Lord, our God, and forsook him. They turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling place and turned their backs on him. They also shut the doors on the portico and put out the lamps. They did not burn incense or present any burnt offerings at the sanctuary to the God of Israel. Therefore, the anger of the Lord has fallen on Judah and Jerusalem. He has made them an object of dread and horror and scorn, as you can see with your own eyes. This is why our fathers have fallen by the sword by our sons and why our sons and daughters and our wives are in captivity. Now I intend to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger will turn away from us. My sons, do not be negligent. Now for the Lord has chosen you to stand before him and serve him, to minister before him and to burn incense. Verse 15, when they had assembled their fellow Levites and consecrated themselves, they went in to purify the temple of the Lord as the king had ordered, following the word of the Lord. The priests went to the sanctuary of the Lord to purify it. They brought out to the courtyard the Lord's temple, everything unclean that they found in the temple of the Lord. The Levites took it and carried it out to the Kidron Valley. They began to consecrate on the first day of the first month. And by the eighth day of the month, they reached the portico of the Lord. For eight more days, they consecrated the temple of the Lord itself, finishing on the 16th day of the first month. Then they went unto the king Hezekiah and reported, we have purified the entire temple of the Lord, the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and the table for the setting to be consecrated, bread with all its articles. We have prepared and consecrated all the articles that King Ahaz removed in his unfaithfulness while he was king. They are now in front of the Lord's altar." So Hezekiah called the Levites and the priests to consecrate themselves. And to, to, to consecrate means to be set apart for the service of God, something that's very sacred. So they consecrated themselves. They consecrated the temple. And in the same way, this morning, we need to be consecrated as well as men, amen? You know, 1 Peter 2.5 says, we are, we are to be built into the spiritual house to be a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus. We even see in 1 Corinthians 3, verse 16 through 17, how we're supposed to imitate what they did in, in the Old Testament. It says, do, not, do you not know that you're God's temple and that God's spiritual spirit dwells in you? For God's temple is holy and you are that temple That same temple they were cleansing in the Old Testament, God is saying, you are that temple today. Your body is that temple. You are a spiritual temple. And we've got to be able to cleanse the inside of our temple just like they did the physical temple in the Old Testament. How did they do that? The passage doesn't break down exactly how they consecrated themselves. We only see what they needed to repent of. But we can see some practical steps they took as they consecrated the temple. They got the sin out and purified everything. And we see that in Second 2 Chronicles 29.5. Hezekiah had the priests and the Levites consecrate themselves in the temple of the Lord. He said, remove all your defilement from the sanctuary. Verse 16 says, the priests went to the sanctuary of the Lord to purify it. They brought out to the courtyards everything unclean that they found in the temple of the Lord. The Levites took it and carried it out to the Kidron Valley. And guess what we need to do this morning? We need to get out the junk in our hearts and throw it out in the Kidron Valley or that dumpster out there. Amen? Amen. And it's an opportunity, guys. What opportunity that we get to come together to do that so we can be cleansed, we can be light, and we can be ready to focus on how God wants to continue to use us to be set apart. You know, First John you know, in just a few minutes, we're going to get that opportunity to confess our sins to God. And I just want to remind you the importance of it. First John says, in uh, chapter 1, verse 9 through 10, he says, if we confess our sins, it says, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And if we, <laughs> here's, the, here's the thing if some of us don't think we have sinned, well, I just love, I love the scripture. It has a sense of humor, doesn't it? He said, if as we claim we have not sinned, we make him out to be a liar and his word is not in us. I'm not saying we need to make up stuff, but I am saying we need to get out the junk. Amen? Amen. Psalm 51.4, it says, against you, listen to David's heart, against you only have I sinned. David clearly took personal responsibility for his sin and went to God with the sin. In this passage, in this same passage, he says, surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. In other words, David just had a sober estimate of himself that I know there's good in me, because God created me. I'm fearfully, wonderfully made, but David also had a sober estimate and a balance that he knew he had some junk in his heart that needed to be dealt with. He knew he was a sinner, amen? Amen. James 5.16 says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. God also wants to confess to one another. To him first, but then one another it helps to get out things but it also allows us to know what we can continue to pray for for one another so just some simple instructions with this first experience and time together right now i'm going to have joseph come up here first of all do we have that video ready we don't okay we don't have a video i don't know how we'll show that video about ronnie but he has something to show us but right now Joseph uh, is going to come up here, and uh, we're going to take some time to be able to, you're going to share some thoughts first? I'm just saying, are you going to share some thoughts, or are you just going to pray? Okay, so we're going to pray. Yes, sir. You can bring the laptop up here. Okay, so after we pray, after we pray, we're going to uh, see the video of Ronnie sharing some thoughts with us. And then we're going to turn things over and allow you guys to take some times, whatever posture that you want to take. You can be on your knees. You can raise holy hands. You can lay prostrate on the floor, on your tummy, and pray to God face down. I know that sounds silly, but this is, these are different spiritual practices that people have done. Whatever you want to do to make sure you just had that time to pray and confess to God. After you do that, We want you to find one, at least one, or two brothers. We really don't want the group bigger than that, where you can confess to each other. And just listen and be there for each other. You can ask questions, but it's just a time for us to just cleanse our hearts. Amen? All right. And then after we do that, once I feel like the Spirit has given us some time to do that, we'll pull back together and then we'll continue with some singing and we'll continue to move into the next section where John Bean will be doing some sharing. But right now, uh, I want to be able to, uh, I think I'll share first. I'll pray first. That sound good? And you can come up right after I pray.
1: You guys are amazing. You're so obedient. I told everybody come in and everybody did. I love that because I know how hard it is when we love to fellowship to stop so welcome everyone welcome ladies um today is a very special day for us we are going to have what we are calling our sacred assembly for those of you who've been with us for the last five weeks we have been talking and praying and studying about a vision for the future of our congregation both as individuals and as a group of what God wants to do in our ministry and how we can really commit ourselves to God and allow him to work through us. And through all these five weeks, um, the last two weeks, we've been very focused on some quiet times and really looking at the sacred assemblies in the Bible and how the people of God would find ways to commit themselves to God individually and as a group to have a fresh start in repentance so today that is what we are doing we wanted everybody to be able to participate so that is why our men were here earlier and our men the men in the ministry were here earlier in the day and we get to do this as women so just in case you're visiting note we're not the only ones in the church doing this with the whole region is really focusing today. We're gonna to model the service after the sacred assembly that King Hezekiah did in Second uh, Chronicles. rather. So we will go through those scriptures. Service may not look exactly like it usually does because we are trying to really do something special. Um, we're gonna read in Acts chapter three, verses 17 through 20. It says, now brothers or sisters, I know that you acted in ignorance as did your leaders, but this is how God fulfilled what he had foretold through all the prophets saying that his Christ would suffer. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing may come from the Lord and that he may send the Christ who's been appointed for you, even Jesus. That is what today is all about. Today is about times of refreshing, a fresh start for each of us and for us as a group. So our hope and our prayer is that this will be a day that we can commit our hearts, our minds, our soul, and strength to God as a ministry and together. So welcome. I'm glad you're here. I'm sure other people will be trickling in as time goes on. And let's pray the service. God, thank you so much for your never-ending mercy and grace. We are so grateful that you've given us the Bible. You've given us so many examples to show how you work through people, how you work through the world, how you work through the individual, and how you allow us many, many chances, God, that you want us to keep refocusing, recommitting, and having a fresh start. Thank you for giving us a way to have times of refreshing. Thank you for giving the examples that we can model and thank you for your Holy Spirit that guides us to do what we need to do today. Father, I pray that this will be a time where we can self-evaluate and have self-reflection, each of us, God. Be able to examine our hearts before you and have a clear conscience as we walk out today, knowing that we have repented of anything that may need to be repented of. And God, we all know all of us have stuff that we may need to repent of um, because we know that without you, we're helpless, that you're our only hope for forgiveness, for peace, for joy. God, that you provide everything that we need. Thank you for giving us the opportunity to connect with you and, and to allow you to work through us, God. Please let your Holy Spirit move in every heart and every mind. Guide us as we speak and share. God, if there's something that's not necessary, let us forget it. Help us to speak the words that need to be spoken. Help our hearts to be focused and clear. Our minds and hearts be reverent and in awe of you today. We love you so much. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All
2: right. Good morning, ladies. Uh, We have a small crowd. It's very different. Not having the guys here, but maybe this is what it's supposed to be because we don't have them. Um, let me grab my water. So as Chandra talked about, we uh, this is our time of sacred assembly, and um, she and I are going to take turns teaching this morning. And so first we are going to look at Matthew 18 verse 19. You can turn to some of these, or you can look on the screen. Some we'll spend a little bit more time on and others will just kind of go through. But um, first I'm gonna be talking about being in the presence of God, and, so, and then later about consecration. And so when the Christians gathered um, in the scriptures, it was such a special time to meet with God. Just like it says in Matthew 18, 19, that if two uh, on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done them by our Father in heaven. And then in verse 20, where two or three are gathered in his name, there he is with them. And in 1 Corinthians 5, 4, it says, when they they assembled at that time, the power of Jesus was present. So we know that God is here with us today in a special way, and he's present with us. And if you could think about, as you turn to Revelation chapter 1, um, imagine if you were going to meet with God today what that would be like. And I'm gonna read um, Revelation one starting in verse nine and we'll look at what happened when John encountered Jesus and he actually sees him with his own eyes. So in verse nine it says, I John, your brother and companion in the suffering and kingdom and patient endurance that are ours in Jesus was on the island of Patmos because of the word of God and the testimony of Jesus. On the Lord's day I was in the spirit and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet, which said, write on a scroll what you see and send it to the seven churches in Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamum, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. I turned around to see the voice that was speaking to me, and when I turned, I saw seven gold lampstands, and among the lampstands was someone like a son of man, dressed in a robe, reaching down to his feet, as though dead, then he placed his right hand on me and said, "Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead, and now look, I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and Hades." So, just a really intense um, picture, and I feel like if I was there, I just I would do the same. I would. Y'all would have to scrape me up off the floor. It would just be so, um, I would feel so unworthy and just awestruck and not have words. And, and that's exactly John's response. And it's a common response when, when people in the, in the Bible would meet either God or Jesus or some heavenly being. Um, I'll just go through a few of those times um, in Joshua 5.14. You can jot these down. I'm going to run through them. Where Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence. Um, when he saw one of the heavenly beings, Isaiah saw the Lord, and he said, Woe to me, this is Isaiah 6, 5, I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And so he just was convicted in that same unworthy kind of feeling. Ezekiel fell face down, and an angel had to help him up. It's Ezekiel 1, 28. Um, And then he was overwhelmed for a week. I think that also would be me. I just would be laid out somewhere for for a whole week. You don't have to call and check on me. But uh, Daniel was terrified and he fell prostrate before an angel in chapter 8, verse uh, 17. And then the guards, when they saw Jesus risen, they shook and became like dead men. Matthew 28, 4. So, I feel like, like I said, I can relate to this. Even with thinking about this day today, I felt the weight of this sacred assembly, and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, what is God gonna reveal to us? Um, I I felt terrified some days, other days very excited and ready to be cleansed and renewed and all the things, but um, I could certainly relate to the fear and shock that these men experienced, and so, what we see in their lives is that God was real, he was relevant, and he was just so powerful in their lives, in, in my life and in your life. Um, so we know God is here, but sometimes it's hard to imagine his presence being real to us. Um, so I want to talk about knowing God is present in our times of worship as a group first and then individually. Um, So if you could see a God or a heavenly being, how would that change how we worship this morning? If you just consider these questions. Would we stand more? Would we bow? Uh, Would we sing or pray or think differently? I think a lot would change. We just, you know, looking at these men, I think a lot would change. when I think about being aware in God's presence in my life over the past few years, um, I've really tried to be intentional in that. And I shared some of this at the women's service. I felt like I got so tired of keeping God in a box, you know, uh, in the morning, we call it our quiet time when we read and pray and we have our time with God. It's, it's awesome. But I felt like I just was carrying this excessive guilt with me for years that either it, it, it wasn't good enough, it wasn't long enough. Uh, I didn't pray enough, you know, just something I wasn't measuring up. And so um, I started to think about the scripture that commands us to pray without ceasing and just to constantly be in prayer and to have that in the forefront of my mind. I thought about Psalm 46, I love that chapter in verse 1 that says, God is our ever-present help in times of trouble. So he's, he's always there, always present. Um, I thought about the 900 plus times in scripture that I know about God desiring to know me and for me to know him. And so all these things just put me in a place and a space of understanding that my relationship with God is just that. It's a relationship. You know, I can try to liken it to my sister, friend, you know, my husband, my kids, and it's not just a box to check off. Um, and so God is everywhere. He's in everything. And I really want to encourage us to take on that, my, that way of thinking that, um, you know, all of our life is being with God. It's just we're on a continuum. It's constant communion with him. And uh, think about Psalm 139, 7 through 9. Where can I go from your spirit? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you're there. If I make my bed in the depths, you're there. If I rise on the wings of dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there your hand will guide me, your right hand will hold me fast. So God is is with us and we can, it takes time, it takes practice to have this mindset, but I, I believe we can get there. So with that in mind, we're gonna imitate today this Old Testament style of worship and Part of what they did is they consecrated themselves, which basically means to purify yourself, to set yourself apart, purify yourself. And so that is one of our main focuses today. Um, Second Chronicles, I'm going to read a lot of verses from Second Chronicles 29. So you can go ahead and turn to this one. We'll spend some good time here. I'm going to start reading <clears throat> 29 and verse 3 says, he, and it's talking about Hezekiah, did what, did what was right in the eyes of the Lord, just as his father David had done. In the first month of the first year of his reign, he opened the doors of the temple of the Lord and repaired them. He brought in the priests and the Levites, assembled them in the square on the east side, and said, listen to me, Levites, consecrate yourselves now and consecrate the temples of the Lord, the God of your ancestors. Remove all defilement from the sanctuary. Our parents were unfaithful. They did what was evil in the eyes of of the Lord, our God, and forsook him. They turned their faces away from the Lord's dwelling and turned their backs on him. They also shut the doors of the portico and put out the lamps. They did not burn incense or present any burnt offerings at the sanctuary to the God of Israel. Therefore, the anger of the Lord has fallen on Judah and Jerusalem. He he had made them an object of dread and horror and scorn, as you can see with your own eyes. This is why our fathers have fallen by the sword and why our sons and daughters and our wives are in captivity. Now I intend to make a covenant with the Lord, the God of Israel, so that his fierce anger will turn away from us. My sons, do not be negligent now. For the Lord has chosen you to stand before him and serve him, to minister before him and to burn incense. When they jumped down to 15, when they had assembled their fellow Levites and consecrated themselves, they went in to purify the temple of the Lord as the king had ordered, following the word of the Lord. The priest went into the sanctuary and of the Lord to purify it. They brought out to the courtyard of the Lord's temple everything unclean. That they found in the temple of the Lord, the Levites took it and carried it out to the Kidron Valley. They began the consecration on the first day of the first month, and by the eighth day of the month they had reached the portico of the Lord. For eight more days they consecrated the temple of the Lord itself, finishing on the sixteenth day of the first month. Then they went in to Hezekiah and reported, We have purified the entire temple of the lord the altar of burnt offering with all its utensils and the table for setting out the consecrated bread with all its articles we have prepared and consecrated all the articles that king ahaz removed in his unfaithfulness while he was king they are now in front of the lord's altar so that was a mouthful but we see that hezekiah and the levites he called the levites and the priests to consecrate themselves Again, that's a call for us this morning. Um, and so they, they did two things. They consecrated the, themselves and the temple. So bear with me while I'm in the Old Testament, OK? I know it's, it's not very exciting, but, <laughs> but at the same time, it is exciting. Um, so as, as we focus on this this morning, purifying ourselves, in 1 Peter chapter 2, it tells us that as Christians, we are a holy and a royal priesthood by God. Uh, it's an honor. It's amazing that God calls us this. Um, and again, holy meaning to be set apart. God calls us to offer spiritual sacrifices in that whole chapter, uh, two that are acceptable to him. So it matters how we present our sacrifice. And in order to do that, we need to be like the Levites, and we have to rid ourselves of the sin in our lives and address our sinful desires. Uh, so not perfection, of course, but a cleansing. Also in 1 Corinthians 3, 16 and 17, it says um, that they gathered there, the Christians were, were the temple of God. It says in verse 16, it says, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in your midst. If anyone destroys God's temple, God will destroy that person. For God's temple is sacred, and together you are that temple. Uh, Very powerful that God calls us the temple that houses his Holy Spirit, and so we're supposed to keep this sacred and and clean. Um, And so they got the sin out, we plan to get the sin out today, and and also to be purified. Um, In doing that, we're gonna take a few minutes um, to confess, and we're gonna do it together as a group, okay? and do it as a family. It's always refreshing, right? I don't, I mean, I'm someone that kind of likes talking about my sin. I might be rare in that. <laughs> I tend to overshare. But, um, but it, it is very refreshing to, you know, feel cleansed and free uh, from the burden of sin. And so a few scriptures before we jump into confession, I just want to make sure our hearts and minds are ready. Um, 1 John 1, 1.9, 1, 9, I'm sure we all know this, for believers If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and will purify us from all unrighteousness. So as we confess, we'll be purified, we'll be cleansed, we'll be forgiven. Um, And uh, so that's God's promise that as we confess, these things will happen. Psalm 51 verse 4. I love this verse about um, from David about, you know, after he sinned with Bathsheba. And he just has this focus that against you and you only, God have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. And so he, he knew he was confessing to God and he was very in tune with how he hurt God and he wanted to be cleansed. And James 5.16 is the last one that tells us to confess our sins to one another. So confess to God and confess to one another. Um, it tells us that pray, uh, pray for each other so that we can be healed and the prayer of the righteous is powerful and it's effective. So as we confess to each other, we will be receiving healing. Um, and it's not so that we can judge each other, so that we could talk about each other. Um, but I, you know, what we share, let it be handled with care and with love and you know, privacy. Um, the brothers are going to exit during our confession. So we'll have, it's not going to be, some of us will come up and pray. I'll tell you about that in a minute, but most of us will just, um, confess at our, at our seats. So, so after we confess, um, Chandra is going to come up and she's going to talk about purification. I may have lost my place in my notes. Um, but basically to start this time off, we're going to have Sheila, and myself and Britta, and we're gonna open up. We have these pillows here. We're gonna, we're gonna do it on our knees, if you're able to. If you're not able to, that's okay. There are some pillows, are they along the back? Okay, here we got Yolanda in the back. If you need a pillow for your knees, please feel free to get that. Um, but we are gonna open up and confess out loud, okay? And then if you guys can confess at your seat to God in prayer. Okay, so you can say it out loud, you can say it quietly, your prayer, um, but just confess whatever's on your heart and whatever's on your mind at that time. Um, and then we're going to come back. I did lose my, my notes, that I was going to explain this to you. So the second part of it is we are going to confess to each other. Okay, so you can find one person would be great. It's small enough in here that you can find one person. If you have to have a second person, that's fine. No more than three, please, because we just, for the sake of time, we tend to talk, you know, and really want to. I don't want to rush you guys. And so, um, so again, three of us will start in prayer. You guys will confess at your seats, on your knees if you're able. And then right after that, turn to someone and just confess to them, okay, in obedience to these scriptures. And then we'll have a song. The singers will come up right away and we'll end that time. And then the next person up will be Chandra.
3: Have a seat turn your Bibles back to Second Chronicles 29. And so in Hezekiah's day, they purified the temple. They got all of the junk out of the temple. We have just Gotten the junk out of the temple, and in Second Chronicles 29, the next thing they do in verse 20, the next morning says, Early the next morning King Hezekiah gathered the city officials together and went up to the temple of the Lord. They brought seven bulls, seven rams, seven male lambs, and seven male goats as a sin offering for the kingdom, for the sanctuary, and for Judah. The king commanded the priests, the descendants of Aaron, to offer these on the altar of the Lord. So they slaughtered the bulls, and the priest took the blood and splashed it against the altar. Next, they slaughtered the rams and splashed their blood against the altar. Then they slaughtered the lambs and splashed their blood against the altar. The goats for the sin offering were brought before the king and the assembly, and they laid their hands on them. The priest then slaughtered the goats and presented their blood on the altar for a sin offering to atone for all of Israel." Because the king had ordered the burnt offering and the sin offering for all Israel. He stationed the Levites in the temple of the Lord with cymbals, harps, lyres, in the way prescribed by David and Gad, the king's seer, and Nathan the prophet. This was commanded by the Lord through his prophets. So the Levites stood ready with David's instruments and the priests with their trumpets. Hezekiah gave the order to sacrifice the burnt offering on the altar. And as the offering began, singing to the Lord began also accompanied by trumpets and instruments of David, king of Israel. The whole assembly bowed and worshiped while the musicians played and the trumpets sounded and all of this continued until the sacrifice of the burnt offering was complete. And so after cleansing the temple, now they had a time of offering a sin offering and presenting this. And this was a bloody affair with animals and laying their hands on these animals and slaughtering them and splashing the blood against the altar. And yet we have an even better way. In Hebrews chapter 10, in verse 1, the law is only a shadow of the good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never, by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they not have stopped being offered for the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to, get, to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me with burnt offerings and sin offerings you are not pleased. Then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. First, Jesus said, Sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them. Though they were offered in accordance with the law, then he said, Here I am. I've come to do your will. He sets aside the first to establish the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. Day after day every priest stands and performs his religious duties again and again he offers the same sacrifices which can never take away sins but when this priest had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins he sat down at the right hand of God since that time he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool for by one sacrifice he had made he has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. You know, back in Hezekiah's day, they were offering these sacrifices. They were obeying the law. They were doing what God had told them to do. But God was simply preparing us for a better time. For those sacrifices would not purify us, but Jesus would come and he would offer a sacrifice, his own sacrifice himself, in order to purify us. And what's so amazing about this is that he purifies us once for all time. Those of us who are in Christ, you are purified before you came in this morning. And yet, even though we just finished talking about whatever sin is in our life, Jesus has purified us. I love 1 John 1. If you confess your sins, you will be forgiven. Jesus' sacrifice was made one time so that we could be I love this last line. For by one sacrifice, he is made perfect forever those who are being made holy. We are continually being made more and more holy, but in the eyes of God, we are perfect the whole time right. through the blood of Jesus. In just a moment, we're going to take communion together in order to remember this. Remember Jesus' sacrifice for us. And I want you just to think about what does that sacrifice mean for you now? What does that purification mean for you now? You are pure walking in this morning and whatever you just confessed. You haven't had time to prove your worthiness. You haven't had time to show God that you've overcome. You haven't had time to prove your repentance by your deeds. And yet God's not waiting for any of that to purify us. We are purified by the blood of Jesus. It's gone. It's done. It's over. And so as we take communion, I want you to reflect, what does that mean to you? That you have been purified. Whatever you just talked about, it's gone. It's done. uh, Reggie's going to pray. After the offerings in 2 Chronicles 29 and verse 29, when the offerings were finished, the king and everyone present with him knelt down and worshipped. King Hezekiah and his officials ordered the Levites to praise the Lord with the words of David and Asaph the seer. So they sang praises with gladness and bowed down and worshipped. Now that we have consecrated ourselves, we have enjoyed the purification of Christ, we're going to continue to sing, And as we do that, I want you to hear the words of Hebrews in your mind. But you have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken, let us be thankful and so worship God acceptably with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. Let's stand and continue in song.
0: Come on, you can be seated, brothers. We're coming in for a landing here, a little bit here. We're going to now just talk about offering sacrifices to God. I want to pick back up in 2 Chronicles uh, 29, verse 31 through 36. Then Hezekiah said, you have now dedicated yourselves to the Lord. Come and bring sacrifices and thank offerings to the temple of the Lord. So the assembly, that is us, brought sacrifices and thank offerings, and all whose hearts were willing brought burnt offerings. The number of burnt offerings the assembly brought was 70 bulls, 100 rams, and 200 male lambs, all of them for burnt offerings to the Lord. The animals consecrated as sacrifices amounted to 600 bulls and 3,000 sheep and goats. The priests, however, were too few to skin all the burnt offerings, so their relatives, the Levites, had to come in and help them out until the task was finished and until other priests had been consecrated, for the Levites had been more conscientious and consecrated themselves than the priests had been. There were burnt offerings in abundance together with the fat of the fellowship offerings and the drink offerings that accompanied the burnt offerings. So the service of the temple of the Lord was reestablished. Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced at what God had brought about for his people because it was done so quickly. You know, earlier sacrifices were made by priests on behalf of people's behalf. Now Hezekiah called the people to sacrifice. And because Jesus was our sacrifice we get the opportunity today to sacrifice for him, amen? We're going to offer sacrifices to God this morning in two different ways. The first way we're going to offer sacrifices is what we do every week, that's financial sacrifices. And the ushers right now are going to be coming down the aisle, but the money given will be used for the benevolence and for the general operations of the church. So as we consider our giving and our offering to God, Let's think about all that he has, all that he's currently, and all that he will continue to do for us. At this time, Marcus is going to come up and pray for the offering. So our first, thank you, Marcus, our first opportunity to give sacrifices was obviously through our financial sacrifices. Ushers are making their way down the aisles right now. But while they're doing that, the secondly, second way we can have an opportunity to give is by offering ourselves as living sacrifices. You know Romans 12, Paul tells us in Romans 12 verse one, he says, Paul urges us in view of God's mercy to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. You know, we don't offer animal sacrifices anymore but we can offer ourselves, amen? We can be living sacrifices. We can make decisions today to be those living sacrifices, offering our lives to God. So how can you offer yourself as a living sacrifice this week before we have Marcus pray? Well, I'm just going to kind of share a few ways you can offer yourself as a living sacrifice. Uh, You know, we've repented, but oftentimes we don't make decisions on how we're going to move forward, practically speaking. So maybe t- today is a time we can offer yourself as a living sacrifice to commit to a special time of prayer and personal Bible study. Maybe you've gotten away from that. Maybe you've just been, been trying to run on fumes the last c- couple years, or the last few months. And maybe it's time to carve out that time, just like you have to set the clock to get up, to shower, grab your food and coffee, go to work. Maybe you got to set that time aside with God. Perhaps you got to decide on a day to fast. So you can cleanse your heart and your mind on how you're going to work that plan. Maybe you take some time off from work this, in the next couple of weeks where you just clear your mind, go to a park, go to a favorite spot where you can just write out some things. There's something to be said about writing things out and making public declarations. But write things out so you can see how God is working in your life. Maybe you can serve people. You know, you can do this for the sick, you can do this for the poor, but we can also serve somebody within our own fellowship. There's... Plenty of needs in our own fellowship where people just need a friend. People need, some people just moved here. Maybe there's somebody new that you don't know. You can just connect with them, go break bread with them, have them over for a meal or meet them up somewhere public just to go have some coffee. Find someone to love, to just listen, to just encourage them. Maybe it's the time to have that neighbor over you haven't had. You've been saying for the last few years, I'm going to have my neighbors, I'm going to have my neighbors over. Well, maybe, maybe this is the time for you to actually go pull out your smartphones and mark down a time and say, get back to me in the next couple weeks when we can break some bread together and have you over for a game and a meal. Maybe if you're married, it's time to get back in a steady rhythm with your spouse and spending time with your spouse on those dates, date nights, where you cut everything off at 8 or 9 o'clock or whatever time it is. You don't talk about work, you don't talk about finances, and you don't talk about kids. You just scheme and dream and say, if, you, if money wasn't an issue, where would you want to travel to? What would you do if time and space and money wasn't an issue? Maybe it's time to carve out that time with just you and your spouse to dream about the next 15, 20, 30 years where God's trying to take you in your family. Maybe it's time to get back to carving out that quality and quantity time with your children. Special daddy-daughter time. Special time to connect with your son. Getting into their world. Not having them run errands doing what you want to do, but getting into their world doing things that they're excited about doing. Am am I jogging your memory a little bit here, fellas? Maybe it's time for us to reevaluate our financial sacrifices. I remember one brother shared with me, brother, the fact that you asked me to share about contribution and you congratulated me two times the past few years of getting a raise, I realized the percentage I've been given for my, my weekly has been the same thing I've been given since I was a campus student. And I graduated from campus 10 years ago. Maybe it's time to reevaluate what you're giving to the, to the Lord. Maybe it's time for you to give to God for special missions. Some of us haven't given to special missions in years. It's a hard issue. We know you got the money. God knows you got the goods. The, the money in your pocket says, and God, we trust. <laughs> do, do we really trust God? Like the elder was saying earlier. Well, Damon, the church gives plenty of money. What's that got to do with the 20, 30% that give? There's 70, 60, 70% of us that don't give. It's the same people that keep giving, that's giving, and helping our contribution. But there's a good number of us that don't give. Yet we're living good in our panel homes, living real good. Perhaps we need to reevaluate those areas. Decide now. One way of how you could be a living sacrifice. When was the last time you even opened your mouth and invited someone to church? When was the last time we even sat in a Bible study with somebody? When is the last time we spoke to someone who hasn't been to church in months just to say, hey, bro, how's it going? Not threatening them, not judging them, but just drawing them out and loving them enough to see where they at and how you can help them get them where they're trying to go. Let's think about how we can be a living sacrifice. Second Chronicles 29, 36 says, Hezekiah and all the people rejoiced at what God had brought about for his people because it was done so quickly. We we can make some decisions pretty quick here. We're gonna take a, a few minutes. The ushers have some sacrifice cards. And they have pins, and I need those pins back for the ladies. Okay, at twelve thirty. I know a lot of us like to put those pins in our coat pocket, in our bag, and but I need those pins back. But we would like for you to use those sacrifice cards for you. It's between you and God to have an opportunity to write down your repentance plan. One thing. You want to turn the card over on the back and write two or three things, or you want to write an essay, that's fine. But we're, we're asking for you to take a couple moments here, a couple minutes here just to write down one thing at least that you want to put into practice in a positive manner to show your repentance, to show that you want to be a living sacrifice for God this morning. And it's anonymous. You want to put your name down? Feel free to do so. But if this helps you feel more safe to do it anonymously, where you can just truly give your heart, please do so. After you do that, the ushers will collect those. The elders and myself will use that as an opportunity to continue to pray so we can know how to shepherd and properly love and make sure we're walking alongside the Southwest region, amen?
2: Okay, you can turn to Romans 12 and verse one. And we'll talk about the second way that we get to sacrifice, just like they did in Hezekiah's day, is just by offering our bodies. And uh, 12, verse 1 reads Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And so, uh, I just love this, that our, our sacrifice is ongoing, it's relevant, it doesn't stop, it's never going to get old. We can sacrifice every day, all day, as, as long as we want, as many times as we want. And so just some things to think about as we, as we leave our time today, how can we offer ourselves as living sacrifices this week? And so I want to give you a few ideas. Um, You know, pray about it. Whatever's on your heart, you can come up with your own thing, but maybe you have a special time of prayer and Bible study uh, this week at a new location or just a new creative way that you're going to do it. I've shared before that I love praying by the lake by my house. There's something about water um, that's calming to me and it it just clears my mind and helps me to focus and be at peace. Um, You could do a nature walk. Uh, I've been thinking a lot more about just God's creation and taking in the little things on your walk and noticing um, His creation. Uh, A day to fast. I've had so much clarity that came from the Spirit when I fasted over the years, and it's, it's unexplainable. I mean, I've seen prayers answered within like an hour or two just from fasting, honestly. And it's not about what we can get, but there is, there's something really um, amazing about fasting. Uh, You might serve somebody, take them food or clean or babysit. We had a sister in our Bible talk that She has two little kids and one with special needs, and so she was trying to find a way to serve. So she collected a bunch of toiletries and things, and she um, just was asking who needs this. So I told her about one of our sisters that's homebound um, over in Missouri City. So she just took her a little care basket and dropped it off, surprised her, and just was very encouraging. They got to fellowship and have a conversation. so even calling someone, things like picking up the phone because we're always texting and emailing and social media and <laughs> me and Grace, we like paper, we like phone calls. <laughs> I actually do love tes- texting. But, um, but call somebody you know that might be on your heart and just have a conversation, pray with them. Gratitude list, uh, that's been really helpful. Simple as writing down five things you're grateful for. And you can do it every day do it every night, could do it in the morning, um, but do it for a week straight and just see what that does for your heart. So just some ways to be intentional and, and think about um, how we can offer our bodies as living sacrifices this week. Could be the poor, could be reaching out to people. Um, but we want to have the ushers uh, pass out some cards now, and we are going to actually make a decision here about how you're gonna sacrifice this week. And so again, in light of what Hezekiah did, we know we're asking in the moment, but, um, but there's something about just you know, being spiritually in tune. We already have this momentum, so let's go ahead and write something down. It, you don't have to put your name on it. If you wanna keep it, you can. If you wanna turn it back in, The leadership will pray over these things and and pray for your sacrifice to come to fruition. And um, again, you don't have to write your name. If you choose to turn it in, we'll pray for you. And if not, then...